What would be different if the LDS and the polygamists believed in biblical grace? Bishop Earl and I will talk about that next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? When I was growing up in the Kingston Polygamy Group, we were not taught grace in the context of eternal life or salvation or God's dealing with humans. Neither the LDS nor the Mormon fundamentalists have the correct definition of grace, would you say? I agree with that. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And that's because the Book of Mormon defines uh, grace for them rather than the Bible. And of course, Joseph Smith changed grace to mean that we must earn God's favor, which actually destroys what grace is. I never understood that. No, neither. Well, we find the Mormon concept of grace in 2 Nephi 15.23, who says this. For we know that it is by grace that we're saved after all we can do. Okay, yeah. so what what did you, was that verse anything to you as you were learning and growing in the Mormon it faith? It really wasn't anything to me. It really nothing. didn't mean, I knew I had to work for my salvation and I yeah. had to do it all was on my shoulders and right. Jesus would pick up the last little bit if I didn't make it or something, I guess. And, I and you know, that. I read the Book of Mormon. We were required to read it. And I don't ever remember reading that verse or ever being taught it or preaching on it. Well, or I have to admit, like I read that. it and I, I, under, I didn't understand it, actually, yeah. but I had read it. I remember that. But And, and would you know what grace was at that point anyway? No, the biblical no, I grace? I didn't understand it. So the, the Book of Mormon says we're saved by grace after all we can do, but of course the Bible disagrees. <laughs> so let's read what the Bible says about it. Who would have guessed, huh? <laughs> Ephesians 2, 7 and 9, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is a gift from God, of God, not by work so that no one can boast. And from Ephesians 2, 5, it says, it is by grace you have been saved. So notice there's no after all you can do there. It's right. it's by grace, period, not by works. So contrary to the Book of Mormon teaching, the Bible says grace alone, no conditional works at all. In fact, it particularly specifies no works. But what does the Joseph Smith translation oh, of the Bible say about grace? <laughs> From Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace ye, I'm sorry, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So he didn't change it into after all you can do, like he wrote in the Book of Mormon. So if it is grace after all you can do, why didn't he say so there when he transclaimed, he retranslated the Bible? He made no changes in verse 9, which tells us not by works. So Joseph Smith's Bible says we're saved by grace alone, not by works. But through the Book of Mormon, they've changed the definition of grace and have attached their works as being required to accomplish what Jesus Christ has already done. Now, about Second Nephi and grace after all you can do, that Mormonism teaches, various explanations are given that they attempt to maintain their religion of works and yet still sound Christian. Some folks (laughs) claim that the word after in after all you can do really means in spite of all you can do. Well, if that's true, why doesn't it say in spite of all you can do? (laughs) If after doesn't mean after, but does mean in spite of, why did LDS presidents say otherwise? 
Yes, Ezra Taft Benson here. On December 9th, 1982, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> 1982, Ezra Taft Benson gave a talk entitled, After All We Can Do, and said the following, What is meant by, after all we can do? After all we can do includes extending our best effort. After all we can do includes living His commandments. After all we can do includes loving our fellow men and praying for those who regard us as their adversary. After all we can do means clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, visiting the sick, and giving succor to those who stand in need of our succor, from Mosiah 4.15. Remembering that what we do unto one of the least of God's children, we do unto him. See Matthew 25.34-40 through 40 and the Doctrine and Covenants 42.38. After all we can do means leading chaste, clean, pure lives, being scrupulously honest in all our dealings and treating others the way we would want to be treated. So, was so Benson right or wrong? Kind of defined the <laughs> terminology And he there, did didn't define he? <laughs> it very well, didn't he? Yeah. And, and what about the polygamy groups? Are they biblically accurate, or are they also wrong about a person, how a person gains favor with God? Well, after all we can do does not, in fact, it cannot mean in spite, in spite of. of. Benson says it means extending our best effort, yeah. which is impossible for all of us keeping the commandments, feeding the hungry, being chaste, and so on. It's a works, works, works. That's right. And the Bible says not by works, but by grace, 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 through faith, plus nothing. And if it actually does mean, in spite of all you can do, why does Mormonism require certain works to make your salvation sure? Good point. <laughs> if eternal life depends on grace in spite of your works, then Mormonism isn't Mormonism. You don't need celestial marriage and temple works and oaths and garments and the works of baptism for the dead and mm. renewing your covenants and mission works and fulfilling uh, various callings, the united order, polygamy, and all those are works. And if you're saved by grace in spite of them, you don't need them in the first place. So why does Mormonism require methods of salvation that differ from the Bible and even different polygamy groups, different Mormon groups believe in different, different works things, yeah. <laughs> for salvation. They each have different works and they all claim is necessary to gain eternal life. And they have differing definitions of key doctrines. In his book, Mormon Doctrine, uh, Bruce McConkie wrote that everyone will have salvation because Mormon resurrection is incorrectly defined as salvation. Yeah, that's what they mean by being saved, I think. Is resurrected. Right. According to Monk McConkie, many people will be saved, but also damned because of lack of good works, which is very strange. So they'll be saved to be damned, and that's not only confusing, it is a lie. Salvation and eternal life are synonymous, and the Bible does not teach Mormon-style exaltation. The Mormons' requirements for being saved is also in the articles of the Mormon faith, which polygamists also believe. Yeah, the third article of faith says at, at the end of it, all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. So here you're saved by obedience. Right, and by Mo the laws. A Mormon doctrine says that you can be saved and then be damned, as McConkie <laughs> wrote, because of lack of obedience. So that says we're saved by obedience. He says you're saved 
but then because of lack of obedience. That's right. That's but their their article of faith disagrees with McConkie and the and yeah. the LDS Church under underwrote his work. They published his work. Yeah. So, it, and, and and the more of course the more we dig into Mormonism's message, the more confusing and contradictory it gets. <laughs> the Bible's gospel is God's simple message of grace alone. If it is in spite of all we can do, then why require laws and ordinances if you're saved in spite of them? The Gospel of Mormonism and that of the Bible are two different Gospels. One is works, the other is grace. Gospel means good news. A Gospel of works is not good news. The Gospel of grace is. So we're actually faced with two different Gospel messages, and here's what the Lord says about that. Yeah, and I guess... It just was so odd that we would read these things and then just dismiss what it's saying. But you know what? Joseph Smith used these verses to undergird Mormonism. If you teach yeah. anything besides Mormonism, you yeah, know. that's true. And so yeah. they, it's easily misapplied. But this is from Galatians 1, 6 through 10. I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, the, the gospel that they were preached to were not the Mormon gospel at no, all. No, it isn't. That's, and that's what I say. I mean, we, we read that and then realize what Paul actually, Paul actually taught. Yeah, <laughs> I don't exactly. know how we dismiss it or mm -hmm. work around that. And, and so the question is, do you believe in, in God's perfect gospel of grace or a perversion of this passage uh, that this passage warns us about, which is what Mormonism and Mormon fundamentalism is? Now, we tackle this topic because Mormonism includes including the polygamists, of course, have, have changed God's simple message of salvation by grace. And we want our LDS and our polygamous friends and relatives to know the beauty of God's simple truth. It hurts us to see our loved ones cling to the false gospel. And we pray for those who leave Mormonism yeah. and then turn completely away from God because they have been lied to. They have been deeply hurt and damaged by abusive leaders. And so they reject both God and His Word. The very person who loves them unconditionally and who wants the very best for them is the one they blame, when in reality it was wicked religion and religious leaders who <laughs> hurt them and who lied to them. It's okay to reject the religion and the leaders, but give God a chance. People are liars. God isn't. He can be trusted. God's grace brings you into a freedom, a liberty, and a peace that you never believed was possible. And eternity is a very long time to wish you had done your own personal investigation into these things. There's a website I found. It's on the screen. It's by a former Mormon, and he's discussing grace, after all you can do, the way that Mormonism teaches it. He writes this. This is interesting. As a Mormon, I understood very well the doctrine of works. I mean, they call it temple work and not temple grace. <laughs> That's a good point, isn't it? Anyone who tries to sell it is good. Anyone who tries to sell it another way is lying to you about Mormon doctrine. 
And he is so good, that website. We do recommend that you go onto that website and take a look at what he has to say. And we're going to talk about more of these works later on uh, before we end this program. But it's true that they do deceive themselves, and then they try and deceive those they talk to. Mormonism has misrepresented God and His requirements, and they've replaced His grace with their commandments. They substitute their own ideas and reject God's, and then they call it grace after all you can do. So what works are included in after all you can do? Well, we all know that in polygamy groups, polygamy is a non-negotiable work to enter into their celestial glory. Of course, that's why they have the polygamy groups. And some polygamy groups claim you have to have at least two wives to qualify. Some say you have to have three. Others say you have to have five. Where do they get those differences? Anything just... I don't know. Brigham Young says you can't have more than 999 because Solomon had a thousand that made God mad. Oh, you know, so, so you keep, come up with you just, <laughs> just pull a number out of the hat and it works. Oh boy! But but it's not just the number of wives. Their celestial glory must be purchased by earthly money, by laboring and giving all to your religion. Even the LDS. Uh, the church itself requires temple yeah. works, sure. including covenant promises to give all allegiance and money and time and effort and talents and so on to their church. They do require that's a, that. That's don't a promise they? at that's the end a, of uh, the temple ceremony. Okay. Right. So so there, there's more to, to what they call, after all you can do, than maybe be oh, understood, at least absolutely. at first. The LDS Bible Dictionary, which rarely uses authentic biblical definitions, defines grace like this. Yeah, LDS Bible Dictionary on Grace. This grace is an enabling power that allows men and women to lay hold on eternal life and exaltation after they have expended their own best efforts. However, grace cannot suffice without total effort on the part of the recipient. Therefore, it is not grace, right? Mm -hmm. Hence the explanation, it is by grace that we are saved. After all, we can do. Again, 2 Nephi 25, 23. It is truly the grace of Jesus Christ that makes salvation possible. This principle is expressed in Jesus' parable of the vine and the branches found in John 15, 1 through 11. So when you understand that they've redefined all these words they've used, they're saying something totally different than the Christian would understand if they didn't know the definitions were different. Different definition, yeah. And John 15, 1 through 11 is not teaching grace after all you can do. Get into it and read it. Read the context, all of it, the verses before and the verses after. But is teaching that genuine salvation will be proven genuine because the forgiven sinner will show his love for Jesus by doing his will, which will produce much fruit. That's what it's teaching, not grace after all you can do. Well, we read the Mormon definition of grace. Now let's look at the Bible's definition of it. From the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. The word has abundant use in secular Greek in the sense of unmerited favor. The basic passage is Romans 11, 5 and 6, where a definition is given, if it is by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. Grace is an attitude on God's part that proceeds entirely from within himself and is conditioned in no way by anything. If salvation is given on the basis of what a man has done, then salvation is given by God as the payment of a debt. But when faith is reckoned for what it is not, that is righteousness, 
There is no claim on man's part, and he receives as a pure gift something that he has not earned. Boy, there was no concept of that in Mormonism. No, in fact, when I first learned, not by works, but by grace, I was absolutely, you had to peel me off the ceiling. I've said that before, because it was so incomprehensible to me that something as precious as heaven, as eternal life, was free. And you had all Mm -hmm. of that polygamy in your life, and you just knew that's the only way to heaven. Yeah, and And, and I was doomed. I lived in a life knowing I was doomed because I I refused to be caught up in those kinds of works. Yeah. The Book of Mormon (laughs) emphasizes that Mormons only receive grace after all they can do, but that's not only in 2 Nephi 25. Moroni 10.32 has its own. Very end of the Book of Mormon. If ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is His grace sufficient for you. So we have the if-then. You have to earn it. Uh-huh. Yeah. The conditional. Again, we've identified the Book of Mormon teaching is after you have done certain things, then God's grace is sufficient. But how many people have ever loved God with all their might, with all their mind and strength, all the time? Not a single soul. Therefore, God's grace is not even available to you, according to Mormon doctrine. It clearly says, if you do this, then is His grace sufficient, which is far removed from biblical grace. Of course, this leaves no hope. It's a hopeless gospel. Of course, that's no gospel, (laughs) because no one can always do everything perfectly. Now let's read the passage in Romans 11. Verses 5 and 6. So, too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Now, this is very simple. You know, it's, no, it's not a misinterpretation. Well, it can't be one or the I mean, it has to be one or the other. It is. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Verse 5 says, a, Roman is, a remnant is chosen by grace. So, if you're among the chosen, it's only by grace. And then verse 6 says, grace and works do not mix. It's either one or the other. You're either chosen by grace or you'll fail by works. There's no (laughs) other option. And if you choose salvation by works, the Bible warns you that you will fail. Now, this website that we've quoted has a list of 613 works of Mormonism. There are various rules and commandments, suggestions, and beatitudes that we'll find in Mormon teaching, in Mormon doctrine, in Mormon pamphlets, and gospel, you know, that you'll just find them in conference talks. Is that number tied into the 613 Jewish laws or something? (laughs) He is, I I think it's... I think I've heard that number uh before. Yeah, Um, he did that purposely. Yeah, sure. And then he says, of course, if you can find more, I'll add it to it. (laughs) Oh, he does. (laughs) Now, of course... um, there, these are specific cans, like I said, that you'll find in, in Mormon talks and so on. But the polygamists, of course, would have more than 613 because they've added all their polygamy and United Order commandments and so on. Wow. But we're going to present from the website just a few of those 613 works, which may help some folks realize that following Mormonism is an impossible path <laughs> to eternal life. Yeah, and by their numbers, number one. Do not act in clear, open, and deliberate opposition to the church or leaders. Number two, do not follow the teachings of apostate sects after being corrected by the bishop. Number four, we're skipping a lot of numbers, obviously. 
Number four, do not persist in teaching as doctrine information that is not church doctrine. Now, I'm, what I wonder, is that a gag order? <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> Number five, don't judge me because I sin differently than you do. Number 39, whosoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of his judgment. That's from 3 Nephi 12, 22. And number 49 is be perfect, 3 Nephi 12, 48. And number 66, do not photograph baptisms from the church handbook of Star, which I don't understand what uh, they, why you can't take pictures of their, yeah, that's kinda, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, don't do it or you can't go to heaven. It's not like we're in the nude or anything. Right. <laughs> Number 67, do not photograph priesthood blessings from the church handbook of instructions. And number 69, do not gamble, also from the instructional book. And a lot of people say, uh, they wonder, well, they, Wendover, of course, is right yeah. across the line, you <laughs> right. know, where you can gamble. And they say, claim that the Mormons keep them in business. I'm sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> Number 86. And by the way, and that's according to God's grace, gambling is not an unforgivable sin. So uh, <laughs> we're not laughing at the Mormons. We're just laughing at the ironic how ironic all this is. Yeah. Um, number 86, do not rewrite the Book of Mormon into modern English. And I've always wondered, how do we know if the Book of Mormon is translated correctly? Well, uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, it was translated into the Old English... Uh, Old English language. Well, English in, in 1600 biblical language. language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 1600 English. King James English. And, yeah. and so how do we know? The, the, the Egyptians English, did yeah. not write in King James English. I can guarantee they didn't. you. No. <laughs> but anyway, you're not supposed to write the Book of Mormon into modern English because then you might be able to understand it a little better, right? Mm, could be. <laughs> Number 89, I'm not sure about this one. Be white-skinned like under the Nephites. That's 3rd Nephi 2.15 and number 97. Believe that ye are you are saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Again, third article of faith. Okay, and so you have to believe in a gospel that's not of grace, according to the Mormonism, yeah, that's right. in opposition, total 180 degree from what God teaches. Yeah, that's sad. Number 98 says, uh, believe that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, but that the Bible may not be translated correctly. And of course, that's the eighth article of faith. Yeah. Number 112, men should wear white shirts. But now they can wear blue. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> At least the missionaries can. So yeah. I, don't know. I don't know if we'll ever see a general authority wearing white oh, or blue. But, I'd like uh, to see more stripes. <laughs> <laughs> and then number 157, no dating before age 16. That's pretty, com uh, pretty well known. Number 158, do not gossip or listen to any gossip. Okay, now we're not saying that some of these ideas are not a good no, way sure. to base your life. Sure. But it has nothing to do with Mormon exaltation. It has nothing to do with works to earn favor with God. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. <laughs> Number 166 uh, through 167 has several different ones that all end up saying no pornographic listening or reading materials. Yeah. And number 183, don't see R-rated movies. <laughs> Some of them have to work that one around pretty good. I don't <laughs> know. Number two, 253 is bridle all your passions. Number 256, members should honor and sustain the law of the land. And that kind of flies in the face of polygamy, doesn't it? It definitely does. Yeah. And we've talked about that before. That sure. They're a law unto themselves. And I think that we're going to be talking about that into another show in the future. But anyway, number 281, thou shalt not covet thine own property. 
but impart it freely to the printing of the Book of Mormon. Oh boy. In other words, give us your money so <laughs> yeah. that we can write this book that'll, that won't save you. Number 289, clothing should be plain and handmade, Doctrine and Covenants. 361 is deny yourselves of all ungodliness, again Moroni. And 364, do not baptize little children, also mm -hmm. from Moroni. It's an interesting one, too, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, this is just a sampling of the 613 uh, laws, the frivolous laws, uh, and commands and guidelines and ordinances that are required for the Mormon or the polygamist to do before grace becomes available. Yeah. You have to remember that, before grace is even available, yeah. according to Mormonism. According to the third article of faith. Mm-hmm. So this is a very losing and frustrating proposition for the member. Nothing that we can do will ever merit or measure up to what He, Jesus, has already done for us, and that's everything. Jesus' perfect righteousness is God's gift to those who will take Him and trust Him and rely upon Him only for eternal life. Mormonism Research Ministry has an excellent webpage dealing with Mormonism, and we quote from a statement they recently made. The following quote from 10th, 10th President Joseph Fielding Smith is interesting, though similar to the quotes we found from a number of other leaders. How much obedience is necessary for Latter-day Saints to keep? And note that exaltation is the same as eternal life and is known as celestial glory and being with your family in eternity. Also notice the two ifs in the quote. Your LDS friend already knows how many commandments must be kept. And so, from the doc doctrines of salvation, complete obedience brings eternal life, but to be exalted one must keep the whole law. This is the great love he shows forth for his children. Notwithstanding they sin and close their eyes against the truth, yet his arm is stretched out still, and he will feel after them and bring them back if they will keep his commandments, and if not, he will do for them just the best he can. Mm. The commandments of the Lord must be kept in all things, and that, again, Joseph Fielding Smith's Doctrines. Doctrine of Salvation. Okay. So notice the word all as well. Yeah. All means everything, always, all the time. And there is no room for error in Mormonism. When you get right down to the nitty-gritty in Mormon right. doctrine, there's no room for error yeah. at all. True. And this also applies to Mormon polygamists. And so we ask you, have you done all you can do all the time? <laughs> Trying your best isn't good enough. According to Mormonism, it's all or nothing. Have you denied yourself of everything and all ungodliness? Are you totally perfect and obedient to every law, every commandment, every ordinance, and every leader? Have you always done your perfect best? Mormonism says, get up and do something, but we ask, what did the thief on the cross do after Jesus blessed him with the promise of being with him in paradise that very day? Did he jump off the cross and start working his way and doing certain good works so that he could earn this promise Jesus gave him? No, he was totally unable to do anything but have faith and express his faith in Jesus. And Jesus promised him eternal life without works. It was by faith alone. And paradise is a synonymous term for heaven which is where the thief met Jesus later that very day. Mm -hmm. You see, it's all about Jesus, and it's nothing about ourselves. Jesus is the Savior. He lived that perfect life that is required, and then credits His own perfection to us, to those who will place their trust in Him, and only Him, and only then can we join Him in paradise. So I hope this helped to <laughs> dissect grace and works for our viewers. Well, if they don't catch it, then they, I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, thanks. Blind, blindness.
Thanks, Earl. Thanks for sharing this. You know, we do realize that very few people in the Mormon faith will ever even see this program, and even fewer will probably pay less attention to our message. But we're doing exactly what Jesus told us to do. What you do with it, of course, is your own responsibility. Jesus Christ did everything necessary to give us eternal life, and He says it is finished, and it is. Repeatedly, the Bible warns that our works to become righteous is nothing but self-righteousness, which God rejects. Only Christ's righteousness is acceptable to God, and His righteousness is a gift given to all who will take it by faith alone. And we pray that you will give your heart to Jesus and trust His work and rest from your old works and enter into His glory. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.